Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. Firstly, disclaimer, I'm overcoming the flu. Um, thoughts and well wishes are appreciated. Um, so my voice is a bit deeper and probably a bit sniffly. Some people might be into that, that's fine. Um, but just in case I do sound a bit different, that is why. Um, so this week I am taking you down a quite a wild road. To be fair, like and it is a Scottish case this time. Kind of goes to England as well, but he is Scottish. So this week I'm going to tell you the story of Malcolm Webster. Okay, Samantha, does the name Malcolm Webster ring a bell at all? Surprisingly, it actually does. Um, no way. Yeah, wait, but I couldn't obviously tell you a thing because right, I don't so probably know probably just work with a Malcolm Webster. Exactly. A different person. <laughs> That'll be it. So I'll, I'll just say no. Tell me the story. Okay. Right. I'm going to tell you anyway. So um, I actually just said something wrong as well. I said he was born in Scotland. Uh, he wasn't. I don't know why I said that. He, he goes to Scotland. Let's, let's just begin. So Malcolm John Webster was born in London on the 18th of April, 1959. He was a twin and he had a twin sister called Caroline and his mum Odette was a nurse um, and then she actually became a police officer to which where she met his dad. His dad Alexander who was called Sandy was a detective chief superintendent in the Met fraud squad. So quite a cool job to be fair. They got married in 1952 and had a son Ian and then they had the twins in 1959. Odette actually gave up her job and became like a stay-at-home mum so she gave up her police career and did that. Um, his dad was from Fife and ruled a very strict house like when I say strict house like quite bizarre rules like silence at the dinner table kind of house which is definitely not the house like I came from but it's very much like silence at dinner table and one of the things I found about him which I've never heard before is like anytime he would go to the toilet um, Odette and the kids had to leave the house I, I don't know why but leave that, the house leave the house and that could happen like a couple of times a day Oh my god. So I don't know. I don't know if this is an old fashioned thing. Please let us know if people, if couples in the 60s did that. I don't know. Anyway. Malcolm no, had a bit they of... didn't. I'll okay. tell you right now. Right, they okay, didn't. thank you. Thank you. Um, Malcolm had a bit of a need for attention and I think this was probably coming from home. Like I don't think he got much attention from his dad or positive attention anyway. He had a habit of fainting at school and you obviously can't see me but I've just done air quotations on fainting as it would often be around something he didn't want to do. So at school, if they hadn't do something, they'd be like, oh, which I can respect. That's kind of like me. Um, he also began doing this at his Boy Scouts. So people were thinking this is definitely like, you know, like a lack of attention thing. Now at Scouts, his nickname was actually Pyro as he was obsessed with fire. And he was actually caught a few times by locals like setting fires. Although he was never kind of charged or taken to the police about it as a kid because he would just be taken to his dad. And that was kind of enough punishment for him. He showed a lot of kind of like strange behaviours even from a young age and when he was young he told classmates he had a brain tumour um, which wasn't true. So there's kind of making up wee lies and then there's also telling really dramatic lies like a brain tumour. Now he left school at 15 and at 16 he got a job in sales but he just didn't like it so he actually decided to follow in his mum's footsteps and become a nurse. Now he got a job as a trainee nurse in a care home through the girlfriend he was seeing at the time. Her dad actually owned the care home so he got a job as a trainee nurse there. Now a weekend residents began reporting items missing like things they'd brought from home like to make their rooms a bit more homely but this also then went on to money and valuables. Now 
the owner, the dad of the girlfriend brought Malcolm in and just kind of sacked him due to it. And he just took it. Like, if I was pulled into my work and was like, you're being sacked for theft, I'd be like, eh, I've not stolen anything. But he just took it. So I feel like that's kind of made him look guilty without meaning to. So this relationship kind of went on to end, but not because the sacking in the care home. The girlfriend was actually probably quite annoyed at that, I think. Now, why it ended is they'd actually fallen pregnant and Malcolm insisted that this girl had an abortion, so they didn't want kids. So she did, and then he just completely patched her. So bad vibes. He then got a new girlfriend. I can't locate her name. And apparently he was really invested in this relationship. But unfortunately, she actually went on to kill herself while dating Malcolm. Now, police involved as people had a bit of suspicions. It was a bit sketchy, but this was ruled as a suicide. Now, he went on to have a relationship with a married woman, a nurse who was a bit older than him. And she actually left her husband for Malcolm, but decided three months into this affair, she actually wanted to go and try it again with the husband. And Malcolm was actually devastated by this. And he left London and decided to go travelling to Australia and New Zealand. Now, he actually ends up settling in the Middle East and he worked in a care home there. And well, he worked in kind of care and it was a children's hospital. It's not a care home, sorry. It was more like a children's care kind of home vibe in Abu Dhabi when he was 30. And it was going really well. And for like the first time in his life, Malcolm was really popular, which is something he didn't really experience at school, which is why he made up all the kind of lies. However, six months into the job at Tiwam Hospital, three children mysteriously died under Malcolm's care. Now, what was strange about this is they were all under six years old and they all died of cardiac failure, which is really, really unusual for a child. Now, people believed he was maybe involved, but due to the fact it's the Middle East, no postmortems are done and burial is very quick. So it's not like they've got time and like exhuming the body and stuff. I don't think there's a kind of possibility over there. So after the third child died, like the same day, he was fired and actually escorted out of the hospital and straight to the airport where his dad, Sandy, paid for a flight to him for him to return home. So he fled the country. Now, when back home in 1991, he meets Claire Morris. Now, Claire was born on the 26th of December 1961. She was a Christmas baby. Her birth mother gave her up for adoption and she was adopted by the Morris family, which was Dr. Charles and a nurse wife, Betty. Now, they lived in Kent in England. Now, they adopted her, and they actually then went on to adopt a younger brother for her, who was called Peter. In 1986, Charles actually got a job in Australia, so they moved there for six years and then moved back to England. So she had, like, a kind of unusual Australian twang to her kind of English accent. Um, Unfortunately, Charles actually went on to die suddenly, so Claire and her mum became very, very close. And she then went on to become a nurse as well, like her mum was and her dad was. So that's kind of what she went on to do. Now, in 1991, they meet at a party and they hit it off immediately. And then they actually meet up the next day and he does. Malcolm brings her flowers and chocolates and she was smitten with him from day one. Claire's mum wasn't keen on him due to the fact that on the first time he went to meet her mum. Right. So if you ever done this where you're going to meet like your you know, in-laws or whatever. And they ended up kind of disagreeing over something and he just calls her stupid. And I was like, mm, can you imagine bringing someone to meet your mum? And they have like a disagreement, like joking with it and she turned in and just being like, you're stupid. I was like, oh no. But Claire saw past this and was like, nope, still love him. Still think he's great kind of thing. So they kind of all just saw past this. And so did the family because Claire was happy and that was kind of good enough for them. Malcolm at this time was also unemployed and he was looking for jobs and he actually then was offered a job in Aberdeen and he accepted this straight away and then asked Claire to go with him. 
which I always find a bit bizarre um, when people just decide these decisions and then are like, yeah, do you, want, do you want to come? Or, and I'm like, that's your partner. So she accepted and I don't think it really t- took much because Claire was absolutely besotted with him. Now, months later in September 1993, they got married and Claire was really, really happy. So the family were happy for her, but that's when they began noticing some changes. So like once she moved, the calls started getting less and less and she just kind of seemed a lot more knackered. She was a bit more unwell. She would sleep for hours and hours. And she was working hard. She was a nurse at the time. And she was really appreciative of Malcolm because he supported, like, the fact that she'd be so tired. Her hair was dry. She had, like, a lack of energy. So he was saying to her, like, you're, nurse- like, you're running yourself into the ground with this nurse job. Like, that kind of vibe. She'd also called her mum recently as well and said that they'd been on a drive her and Malcolm and she was kind of like dozing in the car and he'd actually swerved off the road for some reason and they ended up in a bush now she mentioned this to her mum because it just kind of like stood out to her and when her mum was like what did he swerve from she wasn't 100% sure but just keep a note of that as we go on now on the 27th of May Malcolm had to go and drop some paperwork off for his manager now he was doing an assignment or something and he had to hand it into his manager for the next day but he decided that night you know, I'm just going to go and do it and it's done. So they headed out around midnight and on the way there he realised he'd forgot something so he actually headed back to the house but decided to take a kind of country lane route back. Now Claire had gone with him for the company and he'd packed her bottles of water and a blanket so she was comfy. Obviously she's not been feeling great, she's been kind of under the weather so I get the kind of mindset behind that. On the way back he approached a bend and a motorbike was on the wrong side of the road so he swerved to avoid it and the car actually goes off and ends up in an embankment. Just to say this motorcyclist has never been found. A bus driver, Kevin Shearer, was driving past and saw the car off the road. So he got out and saw Malcolm at the side of the road who was dazed and confused. And he saw the Jeep and asked if anyone else was inside. And Malcolm says no. So he goes to check and he doesn't see anyone in the Jeep. So he goes to a local farm and asks them to ring 999. Now, a woman, Elizabeth Smith, was driving past with her boyfriend and saw Malcolm on the side of the road. She pulls over as well and they try to help. Now, by the time she's pulled over and the man's returned from the farm, the Jeep is now like on fire from the engine. Now, Elizabeth asks if anyone is inside and she repeatedly repeatedly asks Malcolm and eventually he says his wife. So they're now like in complete panic. The farmer was like, I didn't realise anyone, not the farmer, sorry, the bus driver who'd gone to the farm was like, oh my God, I didn't realise like that someone was in the car, blah, blah, blah. And as they went to help, the car actually then explodes and the passenger door blows open to show Claire now lying in the passenger seat. Now, Malcolm actually goes to Aberdeen Royal Infirmary and his bloods and blood pressure is taken and they are absolutely fine. He has no injuries, but was in hospital for seven days recovering. I'm confused. But... Recovering from what? I don't know. That's what I don't understand. He, like, he had no injuries, but he was in the hospital for seven days. So I don't know if they decided to monitor him. I don't know. I don't know. So while he's in his hospital bed, he starts planning Claire's funeral. Now, Claire's mum was, of course, devastated. And at the funeral, both she and Malcolm were very, very upset. And they kind of stood together. Now, they were only married eight months. So he was completely devastated and everyone can vouch for that. And he left the funeral early. 
However, there starts to be some suspicions about Claire's death. Now, Claire and Malcolm had a mutual friend, Leslie Roberts. Well, she worked mainly with Claire, but she obviously got to know Malcolm over the years. And she goes to the house to get things for when Malcolm's having his seven-day vaca- seven vacation in the hospital. Now, in the house, when she goes in, she finds three bottles of hospital medication on the table. One is named Epilin for epilepsy. One is Carbomazepine, which is also for epilepsy. And the third is unidentified but they all came from the Aberdeen Royal Infirmary where Malcolm works and neither Claire or Malcolm had epilepsy. She eventually reports this, but the police get the forensic report back to say the fire started in the engine was like an accident. So her report was completely dismissed. And his reason for saying she wasn't in the car was he was just dazed and confused, which they then vouched for and said he's been in an accident. He's probably bumped his head and had concussion. So he maybe forgot she was in the car. So Nothing done there. Two weeks later, Malcolm puts in a claim for Claire's life insurance and he gets paid out £208,000, which back then is a lot of money. And he spent a lot of this money on fancy items instead of like, you know, buying his house and making sure he was kind of set up or doing everything. He was buying like fancy cars, fancy watches, weird kind of vibes. In roughly 1996, Malcolm was offered another job in Saudi Arabia. So packed up and moved back again. Nearly two years in, he had an established life there. He worked in IT and had new friends and actually had like a life over there. He went to a friend's one night for dinner and this is where he's introduced to Felicity Drum, a woman from New Zealand. She works at the hospital and was single like him and this was mainly because she was so, so busy from work she hadn't had the time to kind of meet anybody. Malcolm and Felicity become an item and he tells her about Claire and Felicity tells him that she's in Saudi to pay off her mortgage back home because she can obviously send money home tax free and she's actually managed to pay off her mortgage of her house in New Zealand and she's also managed to save 93,000 New Zealand dollars. So Malcolm's interested in money. That's, you know, we saw how he spent Claire's life insurance. So he's kind of like, mm, ears perk up. Now, she was showered in gifts by Malcolm and in 1997, they go on holiday to the UK together and he proposes. On the 26th of April, three months later, they are married in Auckland, New Zealand. Now, they had obviously got married there, but when they meant to meet her family, there was a difference between this relationship and the relationship with Claire because her family love him. Not like Claire's family, Felicity's mum and dad think he is great. Now, they went on honeymoon to Cook's Beach, which is in Coromandel and Palencia. Um, I don't know where that is. I had to Google that. I've never heard of that. I don't know about you, Samantha. You're a bit more travelled than me, but I was like, do you know where that is? N- not a clue. I'm going to say it's an island. Yeah, it's like typical white <laughs> beach vibes. Like, do you know that like typical like Windows background picture of a beach? Mm-hmm. It's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the first night, like, they were quite chill. Felicity had a cup of tea, which... Honestly, same gal, same kind of gal as me. Um, went to bed after a cup of tea, and the next thing she remembers is waking up thirty-six hours later. Malcolm had said she'd been up for food, etc., but she was like so confused she couldn't remember that. And he was like, "Well, you obviously just needed the sleep. Like, I need a sleep. Thirty-six hours of sleep." But anyway, the rest of her yeah, trip, I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah. Like I when can you sleep, but yeah, but thirty six hours, um, and the rest of her trip, she was just constantly tired, and this continued on when she got home, and she decides to actually go to the doctor in New Zealand, saying she has fatigue, headaches, blackouts, and she's constantly got a weird taste in her mouth. Now he takes bloods and run tests, and the doctor was a bit worried as it shown it show, shown showed showed liver problems he said it was similar to perhaps like (laughs) sorry he said it was kind of similar kind of symptoms to perhaps a date rape drug but she was like i'm not being drugged and kind of just completely ignored that theory and wouldn't even enter into that which 
for me, I'd be like, but she just no so the couple have decided to relocate from lovely new zealand to aberdeen in scotland no hate to anyone lives in aberdeen but um and she was looking forward to the change and they moved now felicity really struggled and so did her immune system like aberdeen from new zealand you're talking completely different vibes completely different culture completely different weather completely different so it could probably be that however she then finds out she is pregnant now she's obviously really excited and she tells malcolm who is raging he went on about why they shouldn't have a baby money time everything like that just instead of actually being like oh my god like we can make that work he was just absolutely furious he eventually calms down and they decide to obviously go ahead and have the baby in december 1997 felicity had to actually then come home from a night out and found out there'd been a fire in their house now malcolm had extinguished some of the flames and he'd managed to save as much as they could but she was a bit kind of stunned by that. So they decided once their son, Edward, who was born in May 1998, was born, they were going to move back to New Zealand. Now, preparing for the move to New Zealand, they decided to store some of their belongings in the Shore Porter storage unit to kind of get prepared, which, you know, you forget about that. Like, moving house in the same country is hard enough, but like, like where'd you put your sofa? Like, it's like little things that actually I'm like, oh, yeah, you can't put that on a plane. So, yes. Thoughts of Caitlin. Um, on September the 12th, 1998, Malcolm and Felicity had friends round. And Malcolm says he's heading out to the shop, but he's also going to go to the storage unit to pick up some of his belongings. Now, him and his brother have been looking into their family tree. So he said he wanted to go and get a suitcase that had all the family tree stuff in it so they could look at it. Now, he returns an hour later to see the friends and Felicity sitting watching a live broadcast on the TV of the Shore Porters facility on fire. Now, the fire had engulfed the whole thing. And Felicity is, of course, absolutely devastated. He tries to calm her down, saying everything's insured, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, everything they own is in there. Yeah, you're going to get insurance payout, but there's memories and everything. So Malcolm's obviously got his family tree stuff. And he's like, yeah, 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 goes to open it. And he's picked up the wrong suitcase and has brought back a suitcase of Felicity's underwear. So he's now obviously not happy about that. Now, the investigation found no cause and they put in for a claim of just under 88,000. Their insurer disputed this, however, and they got roughly 68,000 back, which Malcolm wasn't too happy about. But fine. They then decide now they're going to leave for New Zealand. Once in New Zealand, Felicity was actually going to sell her house that she had in New Zealand that had no mortgage. And Malcolm was going to sell his house in Aberdeen so they could purchase a bigger place together. Now, Felicity sold hers in 1999 and put 60000 towards the deposit of the new house. Now, Malcolm hadn't managed to get the funds of his sale of the house in Aberdeen yet and kept saying there was problems in Scotland transferring the funds to him. So they were going to lose the house potentially if they didn't have the funds to buy it. In February 1999, they got a call from the estate agent of the house they are buying and they basically said that there'd been an arson attack during the night. Someone had shoved papers that were on fire through the letterbox, which meant that the property needed to be repaired. So unfortunately, it was going to be roughly a week, but they'd then have to obviously be delayed, which was fine. But like, I'd also be more confused why there's been like, you know, you're about to buy a house you're about to buy a house you're going to settle in with your kids and there's been an arson attack and I can completely understand why the woman's like, right, okay. So during the rest of this week, they're a bit off with each other and one night um, Felicity is sleeping because they're staying with her parents. I don't know if I mentioned that. 
And Malcolm gets out of bed and goes to the bathroom. And when he returned, Felicity could hear like a weird crackling noise. Now she asks him to get up and check, but he refuses. But he eventually does. Now he gets up and shouts that there was a fire up the stairs in the living room. An armchair had just set a light, had just combusted. So Malcolm and her dad put it out and they managed to contain it. But like, how did that start? But nobody really says anything. Like nobody kind of, they're all mostly in shock. Um... Because, like, obviously the chair has just set on fire. So I don't think they actually start, like, looking at how it started. I think they're more grateful that it's out and they didn't all kind of burn to the ground. Now, they were due to get the deposit at the end of the week, but they still had no money from Malcolm. So her dad decided to give over his life savings. Now, he gives over his whole life savings and says, look, I'll pay it back. And Malcolm's obviously very grateful and he says, look, once my money's through from the house in Aberdeen, I will give you this money back. Now, they head off to visit the lawyer in the bank one day and Malcolm was just acting off like he just doesn't seem right and everything like that. So he crosses the Auckland Harbour Bridge and says that the steering, the steering is feeling off in the car. Now, he begins swerving all over the road, but instead of like, if my steering fell off, I'd start to like, maybe try and pull in or drive so and then starts to like pick up speed. So obviously Felicity's like, what's going on? They're like screaming this car down. He didn't pull over, said he couldn't. So they were headed for a lamppost on her side of the car. So she grabbed the wheel and when she grabs the wheel, she says like it felt fine. So she ends up swerving them into a ditch. Now he got out and told Felicity just to stay in the car and he headed to the back of the car and goes into the boot to get something. But she appears beside him saying like, I'm not staying in the car. Like, let's calm down. We're fine. Everything's kind of relaxed, they're fine. So Felicity's like, right, we're still going to the bank. Like, m- makes sense. And he's like, no, 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 we should go home. And she's like, no, we're fine. Like, the car is fine. We've served off the road. The steering's fine. I'll drive. We're going to the bank to sort out this house. They start arguing. And then all of a sudden, he starts feeling pain in his chest. And Malcolm believes he's now having a heart attack. Now, Felicity calls an ambulance. And when they're waiting, he starts doing that whole, like, I love you. And I'm, like if I don't make it, please tell my son I love him and they'll be, you'll both be looked after, yada yada. Now, she went with him to the hospital and he was like, please come with me, please don't go to the bank, please come with me. So she goes with him to the hospital, he was checked over and they found absolutely nothing wrong with him and they believed it was potentially a panic attack. He was released with the medical advice to relax. Now, he was fine a week later and his money was apparently finally being transferred from Scotland. So to celebrate, the family of three went out for a picnic. Now he found a spot so Felicity drove and they all went there and it was a hot day so he'd encouraged her to drink out of a bottle of water in the car to keep her fluids up. The next thing Felicity knows is she woke up in the passenger seat to her phone ringing. She was confused like she had a bit blurred vision like she felt a bit groggy and she noticed she was parked in the car in the woods and she saw Malcolm pushing Edward away in a buggy so she answered the phone and on the phone is her dad and he basically says to her like come home right now No matter what Malcolm says to you, you need to come home. So she gets out and shouts at Malcolm, who looks quite stunned to see her and is like, why are you awake? And she told him to drive her home to her sister's as something bad's happened. Now he resists, but eventually agrees and he becomes quite distant with her, like almost a bit panicky and isn't really speaking in the car. Now they get to the house and he says to her, your dad's going to tell you a lot of nonsense about me and your money. Basically stops the car, they get out. And he gets out and he just walks off. So she goes inside and her dad sits her down and basically tells her the news that her money is gone. Her dad started getting suspicions of Malcolm. So especially when Felicity started getting unwell, so he looked into him. Now, Malcolm had actually been emailing an estate agent in Devon saying that he and Edward were moving to the UK. He'd actually bought two plane tickets as well for just him and Edward. 
He found out that he'd also forged life insurance for Felicity and forged her signature, insured her life for over one million New Zealand dollars. Now, Felicity is absolutely stunned and her money's gone, her dad's life savings is gone and now Malcolm is gone. I don't know where he is. Now, Felicity's stunned and then she actually realises what's worse is she was about to be murdered in that woods because what did Malcolm keep in the boot? A can of petrol. So when she, like, had um, remember the time they crashed the car and he'd gone to the boot, then she believes he was looking for the can of petrol. And then also she then believes that he was just walking Edward away. But then what also sinks into her head is that's very similar to how Claire died. So this is just awful. And she, can you imagine being in this situation? So she calls the police and they immediately, immediately issued an arrest warrant. But Malcolm was gone. His father, obviously, flew him out to Australia and then flew him back to Scotland from Australia. Now, he phones Grampian police and tells them to reinvestigate Claire Morris's death um, in New Zealand. And they refuse, though, and keep saying, like, this was an accident. And I'm like, well, it doesn't look like an accident now, but hey-ho. Now, he was back in the UK and got a job in Oban in 2004, where Malcolm goes on to meet another nurse. Simone Barangi was the theatre manager for, um, uh, which was a theatre manager in the NHS. I think she worked in the hospital in Oban. She was 41 and her parents were also a surgeon and a nurse. She was a clever girl and enjoyed her work. She wanted to start a family and, as I said, lived in Oban. She met Malcolm in December as a nurse in the hospital and they met at the fax machine. Um, she was sending her father details of a house she was currently buying and Malcolm tells her he used to be an estate agent and would look at the papers for her. Um, and she said she was just buying outright. So now obviously he's like, oh, are you? Very interested. Um, the relationship moves quickly and to no surprise, Malcolm showers her with gifts, the usual. He took her to Claire's grave and gets emotional and tells him tells her about the time that he was also stuck in the car that was on fire and he actually got serious burns from it. If that's not ringing oh. a bell, it's because that's not ringing a bell at all. That's not true. That's what the seven so, days were for. Yeah, <laughs> it's serious burns. I forgot to mention earlier. Yeah, so he's now saying that he was actually stuck in the car with Claire, which is very disrespectful and not true. In 2005, they become a couple and decide to start IVF. In um, December 2005, however... Wait, Kit, sorry, sorry to stop you there. Um, He wants to start IVF. He hates children. He left one in New Zealand. I know. And I don't think this woman knows about Edward at all. God. And uh, so what happened to Felicity? Are they still investigating in New Zealand? They're still in New Zealand. Yes, they're still right, in New okay. Zealand investigating. But because he has left the country and they don't actually know 100% where he is, that's where like investigations kind of get stuck. So I find that all really confusing because I googled into that as well. And it's like, if I committed a... Like, you see it all the time. If I commit a crime in New Zealand but then come back to the UK... They send you back. Yeah, but also, yeah. what crime is he committed? Yeah, no, that's true. I and just no, wanted really, to make sure. No, 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 Sorry. it's fine. And it, and it is, it's that horrible thing of, like, actually, like, what has he done? Because they transferred him the money. Yeah. Like, there's no proof he tried to kill her. It's that horrible thing of, it's kind of he said, she said. But don't worry, we come back to that. Back to 2005. They begin, um, become a couple, try an IVF. But in December 2005, Malcolm tells Simone he's terminally ill with leukemia now she's obviously devastated but suggests he moves in with her so she can look after him so he moves out of his rented accommodation and moves into her house with him in january 2006 he began his course of chemotherapy now he goes for his first chemotherapy session and returns home 
completely bald, no eyebrows, no body hair, no head <laughs> hair, which, yeah, I was at first like, obviously, chemo is a horrible thing. And anyone that's gone through chemotherapy, like, hats off to you. But I don't think you go to the hospital and then come back completely bald. But he returned completely bald. No, it bald. takes time. Yeah. So he lost weight. He had needle marks in his arms. So, yeah, wasn't great. So, but again, as I kind of said, like, he also worked in a hospital. So surely he would know that you don't just go in for chemotherapy and come out completely shaved bald. But we move on from that. He also said the hospitals would then change during treatment. So some treatments would be in Aberdeen, then some would be in Glasgow, then some would be in London. So, like, he would have to fly to London from Oban to get chemotherapy. Which is untrue. Yep. And while he was doing chemo, he also decided not to use sick days at work, but just took it as holidays. Why? Why would you do that? That's what I said. Just like, what? So he also told Simone he was going to change his will so that his property in Aberdeen and everything belonged to her. But he also suggested to her that she should maybe do the same, even though she's absolutely fine. In September 2006, he proposes to Simone and he buys her a £6,000 ring, which are we thinking this is maybe Felicity's money or Felicity's dad's money? And his health yes. starts getting so much better. So they decide to fly to Australia at the end of the year to celebrate how well he's doing. Now they begin planning a wedding and everything's all happy, happy. However, the UK police are now on to him. Now Strathclyde are looking into him and Detective Inspector Charles Henry is kind of the main person doing this now they've heard from new zealand and kind of heard what's going on with felicity they know about claire etc and when he found out he was with financially stable simone he kind of just wanted to check in with that now they were taking part in a boat race from the canaries to the caribbean as part of their honeymoon as they co-owned a yacht together called nina and the police at Strathclyde are like, oh, this just sounds a bit dodge. So in January 2008, Simone was at work when two CID officers turned up. Now, they told her Malcolm was still married to Felicity and had warrants out for her attempt murder and the two fires that he set while in New Zealand. They also noted he did not have leukaemia. He was just faking this and was not undergoing any treatment. It also came out that when he was dropped off at the airport by Simone to go fly to London for his leukaemia, he was actually taking ex-girlfriends, at least three ex-girlfriends, on holidays. Some of them even went to Paris. Um, So she's obviously shocked and just can't put this together. Um, But she kept very quiet and said anything against him and said, like, they went, like, she just went home and just said they're going to have a normal kind of night. Now, officers told her to please inform them before he, like, she confronts him or anything but she decides not to alert them and the following night she just basically turns to Malcolm and goes okay so I think we should discuss Felicity now Malcolm's face apparently just went white and he just goes upstairs packs a bag and just leaves now he then goes into hiding so they know he left open but he's gone into hiding and he drove himself to Aberdeen and buys a hose pipe and paracetamol and then decides not to kill himself because it's not going to be a very nice death um, another night he then phones his family from a hotel to say bye I'm going to kill myself and his twin sister rushes to the hotel and again he's not done it now he actually on the 4th of February in 2008 he actually goes to a in Aberdeen and tells them he is suicidal and a doctor spoke to him and actually concluded he was not suicidal and sent him on his way now back in Oban Simone's obviously like what the fuck's going on and she they'd obviously mentioned the whole fact that it was an attempt murder, obviously clear. So she's kind of like, mm, was he going to kill me? 
So she goes to check Nina, the boat, and finds out that her life jacket, because they had named life jackets, her life jacket's cylinder was punctured, which means that would not have floated. So they believe that Malcolm was planning on taking wow. her out in the boat, capsizing or whatever, and she would have obviously not floated. So Claire was also re-looked into and a doctor, Dr. Grieve, checked her liver as like they keep like obviously organs and stuff with things like that. And there was a 92% chance Tiazepam was in her blood when she died. Tiazepam is a sleeping pill which completely knocks you out. So there's proof that he was also drugging Claire like he was drugging Felicity. Now, Geraldine Oakley is a woman who comes forward. Now, she was a fling with Malcolm after Claire's death. So between Claire and Felicity, he had a fling with this woman, Geraldine. Now, she worked in the biochemistry department of the hospital and was involved in all the kind of post-mortem things with Claire. Now, Malcolm used to ask often what tests were being run on Claire. And he just asked her, just, just keep me in the loop about what you're kind of finding out about her. Now, he inquired about Claire so much to Geraldine that she was a bit like, mm, and he actually asked if another autopsy was going to be done. So she goes to report him and actually goes up to like her manager's kind of door and then just doesn't. Um, because the thing is, she was tested for alcohol in her system, but she wasn't tested for drugs. So if she had gone and reported that, they would have done a drugs test, which would have caught Malcolm back then. But she just didn't. And I don't blame her. Do you know, she was probably thinking, like, I'm just overthinking this. But anyway. Malcolm goes into a police station in England and asks if police were looking for him. Now he's interviewed and just says no comment the whole way through and was released with no charge but had to check in daily at the station. Now New Zealand police are also alerted and they fly over because they are now allowed to be connected to it because they have evidence from New Zealand, blah blah blah, and they piece it all together. Now on the 1st of February 2011 he actually goes to trial. I couldn't find the date he was charged. Well he's obviously taken in and he's got no charge back then but I, I don't know when he was charged I'm really sorry I couldn't find that so on the 1st of February 2011 however he goes to trial in Glasgow and he's charged with Claire's murder Felicity's attempt murder and to bigamously marry Simone now the prosecutor had a strong case however he pled not guilty and he comes across quite arrogant now both Felicity and Simone appear on the stand and give their remarks and Simone's is quite do you know it's quite upsetting because she's like I don't know who you are like she thought she was dating this guy, going through IVF, and he then had leukemia. The amount of stuff she'd done for him, like, I know what he'd done to Felicity was awful, but Simone is very fortunate she was only kind of dragged in at the end, but what a horrible time. Now, Claire's case is obviously brought up as well, and the bus driver of the night, on the night, sorry, Kevin Shearer, comes forward. Now, he said he saw no flames and nobody in the car when he checked. He then goes to the farm for help, comes back, and the car was on fire. So what you're then kind of thinking is like right okay so when he was away did Malcolm then put Claire in the car push the car for like they it was a bit further down as well so they think he's like hid Claire somewhere because the bus drivers came over and been like yep yeah, going to get help he's then placed Claire in the car pushed it a wee bit more and then started a fire in the engine also like sorry to say but smoke was found in Claire's lungs so you know she was also alive when the car was alight now there's also been so many fires following him the fire at Felicity's dad Brian's house the fire at the new house that they bought the fire at the storage space there's just constant fires following him and the fact his nickname was Pyro when he was younger I think 
kind of highlights this is the kind of thing he's into. Now, the defence, he did a classic and he got on the stand saying he didn't murder Claire and he didn't pa- uh, plan on marrying Simone. He was just saying it, yada, yada, yada. Now, on the 19th of May 2011, nine women and six men in the jury took just four hours to find him guilty for everything. It was our good old Lord Bannantyne that sent him down for 30 years and he was in Berlin and then he moved to Schott's. He was held in protective custody, however, as people in the prison found out about the deaths of the children in Abu Dhabi. So he had a very uncomfortable time in prison. And then mate attacked him so much that only after a couple of seconds he had a broken nose and a head injury. Um, they took away protective custody and he hardly ever left his cell. And he actually became friends with a convicted paedophile, Jim Brown, and kind of had him look out for him for like money, etc. Now, Malcolm then converted to Islam so he could get segregated prayer time. And he also thought this would kind of help him with the fellow Muslims in the prison, that they would maybe kind of back him up, but they didn't. In 2014, Malcolm appealed his convictions, but he had no new evidence. He just was like, I didn't do it. So this was dropped. Now, Malcolm's been on suicide watch for quite a while as well, and he will be over 80 when he gets offered parole. Now, there's also a TV show, it was out a few, nearly 10 years ago, but The Widower on ITV 2014 um, is actually the story of Malcolm Webster. Sheridan Smith plays Claire. Um, I think I watched that years ago, not realising it was associated to this case, so I'm going to rewatch it as it looks really good. But Malcolm Webster, as far as we're aware, is still in prison and shots and that's the story of Malcolm Webster. Samantha, do you have anything you want to add? No, nothing that will help the situation. But that was wild. That was crazy. He is insane. And thank God that the other two women survived. Um, Obviously, it was awful about Claire. And like you said, you know, that other, the doctor, the scientist, if what happened if she knocked on the door? But again... You can't blame her because we may have done the same thing. 